Father, I don't even know how to pray after that psalm because when we say Jesus is Lord of all, that means there's nothing else except Him. And so my prayer is today that people will see You in a mighty way, that more than anything else that You would be seen glorious and magnificent. And so I pray that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Lord, thank you for forgiving us of our sins. We acknowledge that we are in sin and without the blood of Jesus where we would be. The only way for us to ever come to the mountain of God is by Him and through His great sacrifice. So we love you and bless you. And all God's people said what? Amen and amen. You can be seated. Well, thank you so much and welcome in the name of the Lord. We are excited about what God is doing and will do in and through uh, us. And so I want to take a moment and just say that uh, with all this going on and uh, with the holiday season, which I don't even like saying holiday, you know, Robbie, I like saying Christmas, right? Because that's really what it's about. But I I noticed that there's, uh, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose uh, our attention and our focus. So some of you have already seen this. This was a test done a while back ago. But what I want you to do is we're getting ready to watch a video. And I'm going to ask you to count how many times the basketball was passed amongst the people with white shirts. Now, there are people with white shirts on, and then there are people like me with black shirts on, and they're passing a basketball. So I want you to focus solely on the people wearing what? Okay, five of you. The people wearing what? White shirts. I don't want you to look at anything else. I want you to focus on, and you're going to count for me. You're going to count how many times the people in the white shirts pass the basketball. So you will count how many times people in the white shirts pass the basketball. Ready, set, and go. All right, Brett, if you can pause it there. Okay. How many times did the people in the white shirts pass the basketball? Anybody? All right, wait, wait. 16? 14 and 15? 12? Okay, it's getting totally out of control. This is Summit. So the consensus is... 16, 14, and 15. Uh, let's see a minute. Let's just go one more. Yeah, let's let it r- run a little bit. All right, pause it right there. Pause it right there. All right, so I have another question. And I want to be truthful. Do not, do not lie. Or there will be... No, I'm kidding. Uh, did anybody in here not see the gorilla raise your hand the gorilla people 
All right, let it play. Okay. So this test was done back in Harvard in 1999. It's kind of an old test. It was some students. And it's selective attention test or inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness is, is theoretically what it's called in psychology. So if I could just see, how many of you did not see the gorilla? Go ahead and raise your hand. What? <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's called selective attention. And so what happens is when we focus, it's just a simple illustration in psychology that you get to see that when you're focused in on something, you might not see something else. When we become so focused on something, we might not see something else. So, what a great segue. This is Christmas, right? It's Christmas time, it's Thanksgiving, we got the bloat, we got stretch marks, we're, we're still, you know, all that stuff. And, and all of a sudden it's about Christmas and trees and light. And listen, I love all that. Like I love seeing screaming kids in the mall that are going through post-traumatic stress disorder because of Santa. Some of you laugh at my jokes and make me feel so good. I just want you to know, I love you. The rest of you are going to burn. All right, so my, my, my point is, is that here we didn't even see the gorilla. There was a gorilla that comes out and does, see, I knew some of y'all picked up because I heard you laughing when the gorilla came out, which was kind of funny. But that's the whole point. The whole point is we get so locked in on all the thing else, everything else. I, you just get so locked in on everything else that we can't see what's really going on. And that's where Scripture comes into play. We can't see Jesus moving. Now, what do I mean by that? It's hard, it's hard for you to see in your schools, it's hard for you to see Jesus moving unless, this is some good stuff, people, unless you see the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible what? God. The firstborn of all creation. Now, what I mean by this is, let's just turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. It's real easy to find. If you go to the back of your Bible maps and make a left, you'll run into it. Never mind. It's just kind of funny. Start at the beginning. Genesis 1. If you go past like the preface, you're there. Genesis 1. Look at verses 26 and 27. So what happens is, a selective attention can be a problem. Inattentional blindness. We can miss Jesus. We can miss Jesus. And so, what the Lord is burning in my heart today, for us to ask the Lord is this. Today, the application is this. To ask the Lord Jesus to open up our eyes to see the shadow of Christ moving throughout. Why? Because God is speaking to each and every one of us in a very important way. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our what? In our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created 
mankind in his own what, saints? In the what, saints? Image of God, he created them, male and female. We're going to get to some of that breakdown today. Male and female, he created them. So pray with me. Lord, open our eyes that we might see the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit today. You are good and your promises are true and we'll never, ever, ever know and experience you without the presence of you fully in our lives. So we submit to your Holy Spirit today. Work in and through us so that we will see Jesus, Lord. We can see His residue. We can see His image cast. And we know that you will answer because you're not a man that you should lie. You are true and your word has been tested and proven false. So we hold on to the promises of Jesus Christ who is the yes and amen of Scripture. And all God's people said, what? Alright, so uh, my church history class uh, on Tuesday nights. Let's see who who is in who is there. Where's Robbie? Robbie's in my class. Uh, Zach Sabrava is in my. Who else is in here that's in my church history? Anybody else? Uh, no one else. No one else. I'm looking around. Yes, uh, Eric, you're in my church history class. We're, we're and and I'm and of course y'all know that my degrees are my emphasis obviously. Uh, is specifically within that early church history, 8100 to 450. Like, I want to know what happened after the Bible was completed. Like, what was going on? And so, we had a great class, did we not? They inspired me. It was, a, it was an awesome movement of the Holy Spirit in that class. And so, I want, I want you to experience, I'm going to use a little bit of what they said, because they were studying about a hero of mine. There's this guy named Athanasius. Athanasius is a guy, this, this Coptic Egyptian, who was a hero of mine. He was, not, uh, he was not tall in stature, but he was huge within our Christology and how we study Christ. And here's where he becomes powerful. Because this is what... Robbie had to present, and he was wrestling with, and another guy, Evan Wood, had to present. They were wrestling with some things, some deep things of the Lord, and it was interesting that he brought up this point. And I want to give you this. The gospel, here's the point, and it's all on Facebook at Summit Church, or Summit Charleston. It's all on Facebook. You can see the notes there at Summit Church, and you'll see. But the power of the gospel means the image of Jesus can be cast on, in, or over anything. That's your point. One point today. The power of the gospel means that the image of Jesus can be cast on or in or over relationships, circumstances, you name it, finances, whatever you are, over anything. That's the point. Why? Colossians, excuse me, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, specifically 27. So God created mankind in his own image. The word for image, I want to go back to a little bit of Hebrew. I want to go back to a little bit of old school here. It's from the root word. It's from the root word, which means to shade. Now here's what's awesome about image. When we see image, we think, oh, I look like God. No, we don't. Oh, I, I know what you're saying, John. You mean I don't love like God. You mean I don't act like God. You mean I don't talk like, no, 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 no. No, no. what I'm trying to say is, is this. Is that the, it's from the image, uh, it's from the root word to create this, uh, this, this shade. Which means, you can say this, as Robbie said in class, you can use this. That, and Evan Wood said this, you can use this. That the word for image means shadow. Shadow. 
It means this, that so God created man in his own shadow. It means this, when you are walking the halls of your school or in your relationships or with your grandchildren or at your job or in your singleness or in your marriedness or in your datingness, I don't care, put something S in there. When we are walking, we are casting the shadow of Jesus. People can see the shadow of Jesus in your coaching, in your teaching, in your business. They see the shadow of good business ethics. They see the shadow of wisdom. They see the shadow of what's right. They see the shadow of what's truth. They see what shadow of faithfulness. But here's what happens. The only way a shadow can be cast is it has to stand in the presence of light. Y'all ain't with me. I'll go over here. It has to stand in the presence of light. So when John Davis sins and grieves, Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. When you grieve the Holy Spirit of God, we take John 8.12, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We take the light of the world. We put a wall in between us. The Bible would say there was a dividing wall of hostility in Ephesians, but Jesus ripped that apart, destroyed that. So what happens is there's this wall, so we remove the light. And so darkness covers the light. So when darkness covers the light, we can't cast a shadow. And now the only image that anybody sees is me. And there's a problem with that image. When they see me, people see comparison. But when we see Jesus, we see glorification. We see something that we want to be like that we can never have but can have because of a promise. Here's what's beautiful. The idea there is shadow. The gospel allows the presence of the living God to live within us called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We are sealed in Ephesians 1 with the Holy Spirit. Remember the goodness of the gospel, family. It is not eternal life. As John Piper would say, it is not that we get forgiveness of sins. It is not that we get the righteousness of Jesus. The gospel is that we get the presence of God right now, called the Holy Spirit. Now, we know in part, 1 Corinthians 13, then we shall know fully as we are fully known. There'll be a day where his full exposure is in our presence, but not until this is destroyed, this flesh. So the gospel allows the presence of the living God to live within us, casting his shadow which includes mercy and grace and love and kindness over everything inside of us and outside of us. So now God's image casts his forgiveness on me so I can walk around not like this, defeated, just because when I sin, remember, I want to press us into this. The Holy Spirit is moving. I don't want to press us into where we start to manage sin. I don't even focus on sin. I have one rule in my house. What is it, J.D.? Don't what? Don't lie. That's it. Because to me, it's all about trust. It's all about, I can't make him come to Jesus. I can't make my children come to Jesus. That has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. All I can do is try to cast an image of Jesus. That is why Somaz and Jamie Chadwell, when they were dedicating their daughter, 
when they were dedicating their daughter to each other, the idea behind it was this, was that the dedication was that they would cast a shadow of Jesus so that their children will see the power of a resurrected Jesus Christ living in those two and see the attributes and taste and see that the Lord is what? Come on, somebody, y'all awake? All right, here we go, because this is good stuff. His shadow casts over our sins. Are you excited? His shadow casts over our failures. His shadow casts over our, even all the great things that we've done. He casts over our face, our direction, our life, our successes. The shadow of Jesus is cast. The image of God, his shadow is cast on us. So now we have direction. We see the, we see the shadow of Christ walking in a way. This is the way, walk in it. Isaiah whispering, as he said, he whispered behind your ear. This is the way, walk in it. Do not turn to the right, do not turn to the left. This is the way. So we see his shadow and the presence of Holy Spirit within us is driven to the Spirit of Christ or driven to Christ himself and always constantly following Jesus. That's how we know. It's casting a shadow and we keep walking in that presence. That's why you came here because you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. You sense the presence of the Spirit of Christ. You sense the shadow of Jesus. And I think Robbie was the one who said that God is so big, He is so big, He has to be revealed. We were talking about, weren't we, Eric? We were talking about the Trinity. We were talking about God did never, God never had flesh. Jesus did not have flesh. He did not have flesh prior to the incarnation. He was the Word of God, the wisdom of God. And then all of a sudden, flesh, He had to come in the flesh because, listen, listen, God is so big, He cannot be contained. He even had to take on flesh. But also in the flesh, He cannot be contained in the flesh because He's bigger than that. God is so big, he had to be revealed. And how did he choose to do it? In the flesh. This is what casting a shadow meant. This is what it meant. But we see what happened in Genesis 3. Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, there was all of a sudden the shadow, the shadow that was cast upon them. They were in, uh, as one, I think it was Stephen Dempster who said that they were in the throne room. The Garden of Eden was the throne room. Outside of the Garden of Eden was the kingdom, if you will, the kingdom of heaven on earth. But yet we have this scene, we have this perfect scene where God was walking with Adam and Eve. They're in this idea of this throne room. What happens Casting a shadow, the sin began to cast a shadow that separated us from the light of the world. But God, Romans 5, 12, but God, look at this passage. Therefore, just as sin entered the what? It's not, is it up there? Therefore, just as sin entered the what? Through one man, Adam. See the image? See, see sin came into the world and cast a shadow. Cast a shadow through Adam. It, and that, and that, that, that shadow encompasses us. We are not born in sin. We are born with the propensity to sin. We are not, children that are born are not sinners. They're born with the propensity to sin. They're born with a sin nature that will eventually take hold of them. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, casting a shadow, and in this way death came to all men because all sin. 
But then something happened in John 1.14. Because Adam was casting a shadow of death. <laughs> Somebody saw him. Come on. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the... Come on. Yeah. I will not fear, for thou art with me. Why? Because Adam was casting a shadow of death. Adam was casting a shadow of death because he was listening to, listening to eventually the serpent, Satan, right? But then all of a sudden, it says the word became flesh. Then all of a sudden, the word became flesh and began a cast a shadow of light, a shadow of healing, a shadow of forgiveness. He says to the woman, called in adultery, go and sin no more. He says to the one woman who's had five husbands and living with another man, and all of a sudden, he reveals that he is eternal life. He's casting a shadow of life. The dead are being raised. The demons are being kicked out of humans. The blind are being able to see. The deaf are being able to heal. The mute are being able to speak. And the good news of the gospel is being preached. He's casting a shadow of light. Are we casting a shadow of light? Because the power of the gospel means the image, the shadow of Jesus can be cast on us, in us, and over any situation that we're in. But he became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory. I love this. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Full of what, saints? Grace and what? That's, look, that's the shadow of Jesus. Come on, somebody. The shadow of Jesus gives us grace. He, the, the, the favor we don't deserve, but the power to do what we can't do. And he also gives us truth. And the truth is, what he says is true regardless of how I feel about me. Huh? Come on. You, might, you and I might feel some days, well, I'm just not this. I'm just not right with the Lord. We were never right with God. We're never right with God apart from Jesus. It is only Jesus. It is only the blood of Jesus. It is only the righteousness of Jesus. It is only Jesus at the end of the day. It is only Him. See, He is full of grace and truth. And if Jesus says that we are saved, it doesn't matter what the devil's in hell or what we say, we are saved. That's the good news of the gospel. Now, Romans 5.15. I love this. Here's the casting of the shadow. But the gift is not like the trespass. Check this out. This is beautiful. But the gift that is the shadow of Christ is not like the shadow of death that was cast through uh, Adam. For if many died by the trespass of one man, look at this grace and truth. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Verse 17. For if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned, that's the ca casting the shadow of death, reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? We have a chance to cast a shadow of grace. So when somebody is absolutely it jerked us and we sin in our response we can thereby say god your shadow of grace is going to come on me because i know that even though i've sinned yet you have already forgiven me by the price that you paid therefore i can forgive myself and now i can begin to forgive others because i've been forgiven so much it's easy to forgive much mm, mm, mm. 
Y'all didn't hear me, did you? Y'all was thinking about a Twinkie. If I have been forgiven much, then it's easy to forgive what? Much. But I can't forgive as long as I think I haven't the need to be forgiven. The Bible puts it this way. Those who have been forgiven much love. Hmm. Isn't it amazing that the people that don't have hardly anything are the ones who give the most? Have you ever noticed that? The people, I I watch people here. They come and give me stuff to give to students. Like money sometimes with students living in a car or hurting and broken. And it's always the people that don't have much. But the people that have a whole lot, hmm, hmm. I ain't mentioning no names, somebody. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Stingy! Come on. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. I watched Chicken Little. It was a UFO. For those that saw the movie. The sky, listen, if, if the economy collapses, guess what? Jesus is still on the throne. If, if Islam becomes the world power and we're going back to the underground church where it's going, by the way, and you'll get your goods and your services and all of your, uh, basically, your needs and your medicine that way. If that happens, Jesus is still on the throne. And one day he will come back and let it be said and let it be known for all those who will not bow the knee. One day they will beg, they will beg Jesus, they will beg Jesus for forgiveness, but at that point, there will be a point where it's too late. Jesus, what's going on? Where's, why does bad things happen to good people? The answer is easy and it's biblical. It's free will. It's not God's will that one should perish, but do people perish? They have limited free will. Well, John, where is God? Where is God when that is happening to that child who's washed on the shore? As Piper said, is it an easy? It's an easy answer biblically. God is storing up wrath, and one day the people who did that will beg for rocks to crush their brains instead of facing a holy God. Just read Revelation, and the Bible even talks about that. They will cry for the rocks to fall on them instead of face our resurrected Savior. There will literally be eternal hell to pay for that action God will redeem so people say where is your God when bad things happen I want to tell you something all of us together in this room could stone someone and it not be near the penalty or the punishment that God can inflict for all eternity think about that that's where God is storing up his wrath looking at the ones who are beheaded and giving them a white road. Read Revelation and telling them to wait just a little bit longer longer because the blood of the martyrs has yet to be filled. But one day, God will say it is enough and with a trumpet blast, He will come back and redeem and put everything back to right. And even at that moment, be a great judge, which I'm going to get into, somebody. So Jesus is casting a shadow so big that he holds all things together. That's what happens. When his shadow is cast in your marriage, when your shadow is cast in, his shadow is cast in your friendship or in your class, he holds all things together. Now, 
I'm glad that we get to talk a little bit about marriage for a moment because this is going to get me excited. His, for example, he holds all things together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and following. He holds, Jesus holds all things together. Your friendship will never last. Your relationships will never last. Nothing will ever last without Jesus Christ and his permanency. I'll give you an example in marriage. Mark chapter 10. Let's turn there, family. Y'all excited today or what? I am. If Jenna Dobner over here is playing the keys, keeps making those little muffins before worship, I might I might run up and down the aisle. Y'all better watch out. Carbs just, they, they get me crazy. Crazy. Mark 10, verses 6 through 9. Here we go. Here's an example. Here's what I mean by the shadow of the image, or the image of God, his shadow casting in a marriage. Watch this. Ooh, this is good stuff. Jesus is quoting. Jesus begins to explain, and then he's going to quote Genesis chapter 2. And watch what the king of kings... And the Lord of Lords, he goes right to the Torah and right to the second chapter. He wastes no time, our risen Savior, he wastes no time in going back to the beginning, explaining Adam and Eve. He says this, but at the beginning of creation, God made them what? I I don't need another argument when it comes to anything else. I don't need another argument when my King Jesus said he created people male and female. Listen, Jesus is not the author of confusion, Satan is. If you don't know who you are, then you probably don't know Jesus. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be what, saints? I didn't hear what? Yeah, yeah, now that's what I want to talk about. So all you single people in the house, not just single ladies, we're just going generic here. Um, Sorry, Beyonce. And so uh, we're just trying to make it united. Let's talk about united. Let's talk. What does it look like biblically to be united? Look what he says. And the two shall become what? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Okay, y'all are real stiff today. Let me break it down for you. Sex is good. I got two people that laughed. Are you, I'm talking to Summit people. I know who you are. We are wild. We like edgy things. The two shall become one what? Mm, and somebody say, glory, hallelujah. Amen. I love it. Don't you like it? Yes. And somebody said, well, sex. You said sex and worship. That's like sex. Yes. God created it. And it's good. And there will be a due time for all of you people. Some of you not now. Get your mind right with Jesus. What I'm trying to say is that he's talking about united, but then he says united. It's more than just sex. It's more than the two just becoming one flesh. Look at the context. Remember, a text without a context is a pretext. Look what he says here. The two be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but what? Ah, now, now remember, there's no chapters and verses. 
No chapters and verses in the original text and even in the copies of the original text. Uh, it's not till later, till years later we get editing so it's easy for us to find. Yeah, but let's look at verse 10. Look what it says there in, uh, excuse me, verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined what? Let man not separate. Now here's the point. Marriage can only be united when God joins them together. Oh, you can get joined all you want with a legal document and legal words. You can get joined all you want with all the sex you want to have and become one flesh. But here's what happens. Man can separate everything in those actions. But when God moves in in this one, when God moves in in this one, oh, we can have all these other actions over here. But when God moves in in this one, when his shadow is cast in this one, let man not separate because that is the beautiful picture. That is why God uses marriage as a picture between the relationship between Jesus and his bride, between Jesus and the church, between Jesus and us. Because when God moves in the middle of a relationship, nothing can separate us from the, never mind. Nothing, nothing can separate. So I don't care if you've been married one time or 29 times. When God moves in your marriage or future marriage, when God moves in, there can be nothing that will separate it. Why? Because it's a picture between us and Jesus. That is the only way for marriage. That's why unconditional love Come on, somebody. Does anybody need some unconditional love? I know I do. Thank you, Lynette. Listen, marriage is built on God joining together because only God can give you and I unconditional what? Like, think about what type of... Oh, this is so good. John Piper talks about this. Vody Bauckham talks about this. Other people. Listen, what good is a relationship where... Where can someone be given unconditional love when they meet all the conditions? And you know that was good, and I didn't even get I got, oh, wow. That was, come on. If you're in a marriage, or you're in a dating relationship, or a friendship, and they meet all the conditions that you give them in a demand, then why do you need Jesus? I'll break it down for you. Okay, people, let's look at it this way. I'm married to Lynette. She's a much better believer than me. She's a much better Christ follower than me. And all God's people would say, thank you. All right, so, which means, see, I'm proving my point here, which means this. I rarely meet the conditions of our marriage. The marriage says, John, be nice to Lynette. But John gets mad when he gets hangry. Okay, that's hungry equals, you know, angry. Never mind. All right, so, I need food because I'm fat and I like it. I need bread, Mr. and Mrs. Advocare. I need it. And so what happens is I'm not nice. I don't meet the condition of kindness. But 
because Jesus Christ is alive, are y'all tracking me somebody? But because Jesus is alive in her heart, thereby I'm not meeting the condition of the relationship, but because God is meeting the love relationship that she needs, she can thereby give me unconditional love because he's filling her with unconditional. I don't meet conditions. And I walk with Jesus. When do we meet conditions? Oh, I just sinned. I shouldn't have gossiped. I shouldn't have said this. We don't meet the conditions of the relationship. But guess what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on. This is good stuff. So, Robbie, come on up here. We're going to land this plane. We're going to land it. That's the beauty. She casts the image to my children who, you can look, you can just ask them. They'll say, who's more godly, your dad or your mom? They'll go, let me pray about it. Mom. Why? Because she gives way more unconditional love than I do. I enjoy discipline as long as I'm not the one getting it. Do do you see? We don't meet the conditions of our relationship with God the Father. But because of Jesus, He met every condition so that now we who are full of sin and wretched and prone to wonder and absolutely would reject God if it wasn't the Spirit of God moving within us, that we're constantly at war with our sin nature and, and, and the Holy Spirit within us, yet because of His mercies are new every morning because He made a covenant of love with us and we surrendered in our limited free will. We surrendered that to Him. We responded because He moved in the desire of our heart and we said yes to that. Now, thereby, we get to receive all the promises of Jesus Christ. Now, we can cast a shadow that when we sin, we can still walk like we're forgiven. When a grandchild sins against a grandparent. The grandparent still loves the grandchild in spite of the grandchild's response to the grandparent. Because the grandparent understands that if you had to meet conditions, no relationship would last. Are y'all with me? No relationship will ever last on conditions. Unless there's someone to fill it. So then we go into what we talked about in church history some. And I just want to give you something that they reminded me of Scripture. And I sat there vociferously and wrote as I felt the Spirit speaking to me. When we sin, it puts darkness between us. We can't see Jesus Therefore, when people are looking for the light of Jesus to hit us and cast his shadow, his image in the way we reign and rule, go back to the context in Genesis 1 and 2, you get to see everything with imagination and relationships and rule and reigning and all this stuff. This, uh, it's beautiful, this majesty. When you, you get to see this, we don't cast it because there's sin. But here's what happens. Even though we sin, we sing songs like, Robbie has us sing, I, I specifically two weeks ago. Our sin was strong, but Jesus is what? Stronger. 
Our shame was great, but Jesus is what? Because His light is so big and so strong, there's no sin that His light can't break through. Oh, but what about blasphemy and the Holy Spirit? You're right. When you tribute to the works of Satan, to the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want to encourage everybody in here. If you've been born again, you can never blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. If God's working in you right now, you probably will never blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So here's what happened. Exodus 19, Robbie. Remember when Evan took us there and y'all took us there? Exodus 19. Let's just turn there. This is so good. We're going to land it and we're going to respond. Because God would have us respond to His image. Exodus 19. They're at Mount Sinai. The Israelites have come out of Egypt. And they're getting ready to get the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Now let me bring you to speed. They have a chance to respond. This is so good. I I literally might fall out. If I do, you'll give me mouth to mouth? Okay. He said that's Lynette's job. All right, so you just you got to hear the comments back here. It's just out of control. But no, it's great. So what happens is this. Look with me in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings. Hmm, come on, somebody. Isn't it nice that Jesus carries us on an eagle's wing? When we feel like we're falling, there's somebody always going to catch us. Oh, let me break it down. Oh, I'm a failure in relationships. I've fallen. Though the righteous may fall seven times, somebody. And how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And brought you to myself. I brought you to this holy mountain to worship me. I brought you to myself. Remember what God told Moses? He said, he said you're going to go to Egypt. You're going you're to re- get the people. And you're going to release the people. I'm going to release them through you. You're going to bring me back to this mountain, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. You're going to bring Jeshurun. That's another one for Israel. You're going to bring them back to me. And they are going to worship me on this mountain. They're going to come into my presence. They're going to come into, oh, this is getting good. I might just get ahead of myself. Now, if you obey me fully, verse 5, and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, verse 6, look, you will be for me a kingdom of what? Who else called his kingdom of priests in in the New Testament? First Peter. Will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. We're going to be the priests. We have an opportunity, right? Zach, you were there in class. You remember? These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. But he said, look, here's the, I'm going to break down 19. Don't be sleeping with no women. Don't be sleeping with no man. I want you to get right with me. I want you to consecrate yourselves. I want you to wash your clothes because you're getting ready to enter in my presence. And Moses, they're going to hear me speak to you. When you call to me, they're going to hear my voice. Watch this in verses 16 through 19. On the morning of the third day, he's told him to take three days to prepare. Mm, Jesus. 
On the third day he was raised. There was a thunder and lightning. Come on, somebody. There was some, the stone was moved with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. Now listen, he, he led them out of the camp to meet with who? God wants to meet with his people, saints. That's why we have an altar. Call. And they stood at the front of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. Here's what happened. If you go back and you look at Mount Sinai, you'll see today that the top of the mountain is all burnt. Now, if you dig deep, it's not burnt through the mountain. It wasn't a volcano coming out. It was a God coming. It was a God coming. Coming what? Mm-hmm. Because it's just like Dr. Peter Link says, and Evan likes to quote, some of you like to quote, whenever God meets creation, something has to die. Something on that mountain, that's why fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. Psalm 97, his lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Like when, when God meets creation, something has to die. That, that's the idea. Dr. Link, he's, he's quoting a lot of the guys that I learned under in Southeastern. Uh, uh, John Selhammer, specifically, who's gone to be with Jesus, a wonderful Old Testament professor. But th- those guys that, that really understood Torah as, as a story, the whole five books as a story. And so you get to see this idea behind that because what happens is here is that God is meeting creation and something was having to die. And he said, look, he said, tell them, don't touch the mountain, but I want to meet with them. I want to talk with them. I want them to hear me. I want them to respond to me. He goes, but something has to die. And that's why the top of the mountain was burnt because something has to die when God meets creation. When holy Meets broken. Verse 19. No, no, let me just go back to 18. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended in a fire. The smoke billowed up uh, from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Now, go with me, if you will, into chapter 20, 18 and 21. But here's what's going to happen. He's going to give them the Ten Commandments. And here's what happens. Instead of the people, right? Instead of the people responding to God, what do you think they did? Talk to me. Any takers? They ran from God. You want to know why? Oh, this is so good. Because they saw the judgment of God instead of seeing them. Come on. Why do you think people run from God now? Because they see God as a judge, not as a God of mercy. We see God as a God of... We see God as a God of... Because Jesus already paid our judgment. All right, here we go. Exodus 20, this is so good. Exodus 20, 18 through 21. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a what, saints? 
See, that's what happens when, when you only know God as a judge. You're afraid of Him and you run from Him. But when you know God through Jesus Christ, you come running into the presence of God. As James says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because Jesus is the one who can draw us close. We don't see God as a judge. We see Him as the one who fulfilled the judgment in Jesus, thereby we only get his love. For God so this is good and said to Moses speak to us yourself and we will listen but do not have God speak to us or we will what? Do you see I'm going to go personal do you see God as your judge? Or do you see him, see him as your redeemer? Do you see God as your punisher? Or do you see Jesus as your healer? Do you see God as the one who's coming to hammer you? Or you see Jesus as the one who's coming to free you? How do you see the Lord today? Everything is dependent upon it. And so they ran. Robbie, you said it best in class. You were, you were wrestling. You were wrestling with this. This is so good. This is so good. Robbie said the reason why, and I'm so proud of you on this, the reason why man and woman together, the two will leave his father, they'll leave their father and mother and be united. Two will become one flesh. What God has united or what God has put together, let no man tear asunder. The reason why, and Robbie, you said it. I'm going to quote you. I'm going to ask, I wrote it down, and I'm going to quote you. This is why marriage is a picture of Jesus and the church. The man has the heart to pursue. The man has the heart to be victorious. The man has the heart to beat the challenge and to remove anything in the way to get to his bride. The man is the pursuer and the woman over here is the one who has a heart that says, pursue me. I want to be loved. I needed to be loved. And there in marriage is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, the pursuer as the one who receives his bride. Good job. Through the Holy Spirit. Do you see Jesus as judge or do you see him as the giver of life? That's why the shadow of Jesus is cast on us and we can come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give us rest. So I ask you today, This question before we respond. How do we hide his shadow? I can't let the shadow of Jesus Christ be hidden because there's too much at stake. Only, only. Jesus can be seen 
when his light, John 8, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. When his light lives in me, thereby it casts a shadow of what God is really like and people can come to him. Listen, if you don't know the Lord, you will respond to Jesus as judge and you will run away, Exodus chapter 20. But if you know Jesus as Lord, you will come running and draw near to him and come close to him because he wants to talk to you. And so here's the question today. Will you come and respond and ask the Lord who will answer, Lord, cast your light upon me, your shadow upon me, so that I can cast it to everyone else so that people can see Jesus in my home that's jacked up, in my work that's messed up, in my relationships that are crazed up, and where I am and my mind that might be messed up. Lord, you can cast a shadow of beauty in the midst of ashes because in you there is always life and never death. Will you ask the Lord to be used to cast his shadow today? We were made for his image Will you walk in it, dear Jesus, who will come and respond? Who will come and beg the Lord to cast a shadow in a relationship that they're in? Who will come and beg the Lord Jesus to cast a shadow over their grandchildren and their relationship? Who will have them beg to cast a shadow in their marriage and in their coaching and on their team and in their finances and in their relationships and in their business and renew? God, you will renew. The more your shadow is cast, the more there's hope, there's more there's love, there's more, there's peace, more, there's kindness. God, who in here wants to cast a large, big, huge shadow for Jesus? Will you have us come near to the mountain of God right now? We can come. There's no judgment because Jesus has paid it all. And all to him we owe. We have been washed by the crimson stain and we have been washed whiter Then snow, Lord, we can come to your mountain, Lord, and you will speak to us. You will speak to us today. Come with our burdens. Come with our weariness. Come with anticipation. Come with our successes. Come with our failures. You want to cast a shadow today. Lord, cast it upon us in a huge way. And if there's somebody in this room, Lord, that is expecting to see Jesus as judge, today they have a chance to meet Jesus as their Savior. The judgment is coming, Lord. And when God meets creation, something has to die. But as Evan Wood said, the only hope that we have is Jesus. So when you come back, what has to die has been already sacrificed and risen so we can be alive and his name is Jesus because our sins are too great, but Jesus is greater. Lord, if there's somebody in this room, they, they know in their heart right now they are not right with God, they'll come forward right now, grab somebody right now down front. They will come, they will leave their seat right now. I don't care if they're saved or not, that they know they're not right, they'll come right now, and Lord, you will speak to them, you will speak to the person, the woman or man of God, and Lord, they will understand Jesus as Lord, because they'll confess with their mouth that he is Lord, because they believed in their heart that you raised him from the dead, and Lord, they will turn from their sins to the one who gives life. Cast an image, Lord. Cast it over, over the whole crossfit. Cast cast the image, Lord, over this campus. Cast this image over this beautiful church. Cast it over the teams 
and the coaches that are in this room from high school to middle school to the teachers in this room to the grandparents that are in this room to the retired that are in this room to the single that are in this room to the ones that somebody's walked out on them in a marriage in this room to the ones that they said I've messed things up will you cast your shadow that your mercies are new every morning and that you are faithful Lord and that you will do it and there's hope in Jesus cast it Lord today we follow you as you prophetically speak through this great man of God, Robbie, you'll do it, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name.